Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Heads Up Play. Yeah, another social distancing part two. Woo! Yeah, we haven't touched today. Play. Don't worry. We still love each other. Though. Yep, obviously. Um, today, we are very excited. We yeah. have a special guest joining us this over is, the phone. This is going to be a really crazy interview. Uh, today, joining us is head softball coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Coach Samantha Ricketts. And we are so excited. She'll be calling us in just a minute. And we're going to have her over the phone here, uh, another social distancing. Uh, but you know what? We're so excited for it. And we're so excited for you guys to be able to hear what she has to say about our favorite sport. So I'm so excited. This oh, is yeah. going to be awesome. And so as you all know, Chris also, he does the uh, public address at softball games. And so he works for the athletics department. And so um already that's how we have these awesome connections we're so excited for it so we'll be back here in just a minute with uh coach samantha ricketts all right everybody we're back joining us now head coach of the softball team coach ricketts thanks for being on coach ricketts hey guys thanks for having me so um i want to just to start us off a little bit i want to ask um what got you into softball Oh, gosh. Um, I've been playing softball since involved with it, probably since about third grade. I started off in baseball playing with my brother, and then my mom grew up playing. She played even when I was young, and, you know, we used to go to her games, and she would compete um, in some adult leagues. And so it's just kind of something I grew up around, was always around in, uh, in a family that played a bunch of sports. All right. Awesome, awesome. So, um, whenever you went to, you played college softball at Oklahoma, which is awesome. Uh, I grew up uh, in Texas, so I know all about the Big 12. What was your uh, recruiting process like? Uh, my recruiting process and the path to get to OU was a little bit different, I think, than most would take. I actually was signed and um, getting ready to go to a small Division One school back home in California that was right down the road. Uh, Santa Clara University and uh, my goal I just really wanted to play division one softball that was um, the best offer I received and it was a great school um, and then I was actually at freshman orientation a summer before my freshman year when everything kind of happened with OU um, long story short coach Gasso needed a catcher and the coach who recruited me to Santa Clara had left so I was able to get out of that uh, NLI she watched me play one time and said yep I'll take her and then I committed to OU without even visiting and so it was just kind of all a big leap of faith for myself um something where I really had to decide if I wanted to go play against the best and test myself or stay close to home where I could have been comfortable but um so it was very late um took my visit after I'd already committed and big culture shock from California to Oklahoma but I don't regret it at all it's the best decision I've ever made that's great um so your time at oklahoma you left a pretty big mark um you left as the career home runs leader and the career rbi leader um how is how is playing at oklahoma how how did your coaches help you improve oh i have um, a lot of great coaches when i was at ou and it was you know definitely everything on the field as far as you just learning how to play the game at a higher level, but it was also so much about developing um, 
you know, who I was off the field as well. And that's something that I learned a lot from Coach Gasso in my time there and something that she really cultivates with all her teams and that I try to do myself now as a coach. But it was really, I think, my sophomore year where she kind of turned to me and said, you know, hey, have you thought about going into coaching when you're done? I think you'd be really good at it. And from that point on for the rest of my career, you know, she was coaching me not just to be a softball player, but to be a softball coach. And continued that on as I was a graduate assistant and would kind of give me scenarios to help me out and say, how would you handle this if you were in my shoes? And um, just really did a lot for me outside of just the, you know, the physical skills and the skill set that we did on the field every day as well. Um, so, yeah, you said you were a graduate assistant after uh, uh, playing at Oklahoma. What was your coaching career like after uh after being a graduate assistant there uh, after two years as a graduate assistant i got my first full-time coaching job at wichita state in wichita kansas um so that was about two and a half hours north of norman so it wasn't too far which i liked because i was able to still see my sister who was on the team at ou um and i really you know it was a, a great first job for me because i could kind of test myself and see, you know, I knew I would kind of be successful as a player, but could I do it as a coach? And it was a, a great stepping stone. Um, we went in as a whole new coaching staff. Christy Breadbenner hired me. She's still the head coach there today um, and took a team from last place in the Missouri Valley Conference to uh, finishing first place in my third year. So it was a great turnaround and just a really good test and a testament to you know, Coach Breadbenner and what she was able to do and the trust she had in me with the offense um, to really kind of implement a whole new system up there and to see how quickly we were able to turn it around and be successful, uh, which is a huge boost. And that helped me take that next step and to be hired on as the hitting coach at Mississippi State. Um, oh, gosh, in two, the fall of 2014, I believe. Mm -hmm. So... Um... You're the hitting. You were the hitting coach at which. Are you were the assistant coach at uh, Wichita State? You're, you were the hitting coach at State. Were you um, implementing some of the things that Coach Gasso did at Oklahoma, like to help your hitters like realize like what? I guess what I'm trying to say is, what were you implementing that was helping them jump in batting average? Because, I mean, in 2013 at Wichita State, they went from 231 to 243 with more extra base hits. Yeah, it was, you know, I was fortunate to have two different hitting coaches while I was at um, Oklahoma, which I think really benefited me I had to learn two different styles and kind of what worked for me and implemented a little bit of what I learned from both of them. Um, and one of them, Howard Dobson, he now, he was my first hitting coach there. He's at LSU. And the other one, Coach McKay, is the head coach at Kennesaw State um, over in Georgia. So I really credit a lot to them and what I've learned and just, you know, how to hold myself and, um, with a lot of composure from Coach Gasso, and I was able to do that. And I think the biggest thing there in the turnaround is just the structure and a lot of the times just the change in the belief, you know, and getting these young hitters to understand what it takes to be successful and what that mindset switch is. And that was a big part um, of that change at Wichita State as well as Mississippi State when I came down here uh, for my first year. Yeah. So um, we know it was a big culture shock from California to Oklahoma. Was there any was was it less of a shock from 
uh, Oklahoma to Wichita and then from Wichita to here? Um, yeah, definitely. I don't think it was as big of a change. Still different cultural things, um, but really liked how Starkville just reminded me a lot of Mormon and that it was that college town feel. And, mm-hmm. you know, compared to California where you've got professional teams in every city, you know, here we're the show and everybody you know, comes out and they support. There's just a lot bigger feeling of community. And I like being able to go into different parts of town and you see people, you know, and people that are fans of your team or of Mississippi state. Um, so that was similar to Norman as well. And then just, I think the difference to the South, um, you know, just how kind people are and how willing they are to help and, I think the biggest change overall is definitely no more traffic like California was. <laughs> I can attest to that. Amen. My mom's from yeah. LA, so I can definitely attest to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's brutal. So um, now that you're the head coach at state, which first of all, the first, the fastest head coach to 20 wins uh, at state, that's awesome. Um have people do people recognize you like around Starkville and whatnot? Like to say, hey, Coach Ricketts, just <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's been interesting because you know this is my sixth year here, but just that um, elevation from assistant to head coach, I was surprised at how much more often you know whether it's at the grocery store or just out to dinner, people are like, oh, that's the softball coach. So it has been a little bit different, but it's always you know everybody's always really supportive and telling us. Um, you know, they make sure to tell me how much they enjoy watching the team play and the different girls and the ones they've had chances to meet. So it's been a little different, but definitely in a good way. All right. So um, we know you played uh, softball in uh, the 2000s. What what has been one of the bigger differences from uh, your playing days then to how soft collegiate softball is now? Uh, definitely, I'd say the biggest difference is how much stronger offenses are across the board and how that's affected pitching. Um, back when I played, every team carried maybe uh, three, maybe four pitchers on a roster, and they would have one ace or a horse, as we would call it, that they could really just kind of ride and she could throw every game for them. And the teams that won it all back then were the teams that had one you know, just dominant pitcher. And that's not really the case anymore. We're seeing a lot more pitching staffs and, you know, pitching staffs that are five, six, seven pitchers deep and finding new and creative ways to use them and set us up for success. Um, It's not something that was really done back when I played. You know, we had one pitcher we prepare for and now we could throw seven pitchers out there at anybody. So that's been a big change um, as far as preparation, but I think in just the way that we recruit as well, having to carry a lot, little bit more numbers for the pitching staff. Um, so this year's, um, this year's roster uh, definitely looks a little different than last year's. Uh, how did you, as, fir- as a first-year head coach, how did you um, deal with, I mean, I know there were seniors and there were some transfers. How did you deal with the roster turnaround? Yeah, um, a lot of the transfers was kind of happening earlier on before, um, you know, I got the job. I think my my number one goal when I got the job was to make sure that we got Annie Willis in here as a transfer pitcher. And she was one that she'd been on her visit already, and we had been talking with her, and I knew how important that was going to be to lock in a pitcher with 
of her, of her caliber and with her experience. So that was, I think, goal number one for me as far as the roster management. Um, and then really my big conversation with the girls was, look, hey, like, we all chose to be here. And, you know, we've had, you've had teammates and friends that have chose to go other places and that's fine. But um, all of you are here for a reason and we're going to be all in, you know, once we've made that decision to come back. So that was really, I think, the biggest decision. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to have to beg girls or convince them to stay or to leave. And I want, I want young women on the team that want to be here and they believe in Mississippi State and believe in this program and what we're doing. And I was very fortunate to have a roster full of that this year. Yeah, I mean, watching uh, Annie Willis's no hitter or watching E Dub pitch lights out. It's this has been a very exciting softball roster. Yes, it's been you know really strong from top to bottom. You know, our pitchers we've got you know more than one that we could throw out there, and then same thing with the offense. I kind of had a good problem, but I had more than nine hitters that I was trying to mix in there. And a lot of the freshmen were really starting to, you know, before everything ended for us, really starting to show some good things that they were getting ready to fight for a starting position. And that's really what you want, especially from freshmen. Right. I mean, Madison, uh, Madison Kennedy has been your starting shortstop uh, the entire season and mm-hmm. she's been fantastic. She's been uh, everyone on the roster, but Madison's been fantastic at shortstop. Uh, you've got obviously we have uh, Candace in the outfield, uh, AK Seegers, uh, Mia and Montana, Fa. I mean, you got hitters, and you've got Alyssa Loza, who's your senior. I mean, everyone, Alyssa Loza, E Dub, Grace, Annie, Aspen. This is a great roster, and I'm very disappointed that the season got cut short because I was really excited. Yeah, I mean, I'd say this is definitely the strongest and most well-rounded that we've been in a while. Uh, you know, big credit to that goes to Coach uh, Josh Johnson and what he's done with our pitching staff in a short amount of time. Um, but, you know, our freshman class that we brought in, I think they're the most athletic class as a whole we brought in. Kenley Hawk and Aspen Wesley, they could hit, or I could throw them in the outfield at first base if I had to. Just, you know, they're not a typical pitcher-only type of athlete. Um, and, yes, it was, you know, disappointing not be able to see what we could do in SEC play, but I think for us, we're looking at it from more of a positive side, and, man, we get to have the same roster back with more experience another year underneath them um, and just think how much better we could even be next year. That's just a really exciting thought for us right now. Yeah, I mean that that's amazing that the uh the NCAA uh granted that. What was y'all's reaction when y'all heard that everyone gets a year back? Yes. Um I mean we we're very excited. We we knew there was a good chance of that happening. I know uh John Cohen has done a great job of communicating with the head coaches about everything along the way and you know, from everything I heard, Commissioner Sankey at the SEC office really played a big part in that and he used his leadership role um, as well as the SEC's influence to help that happen for all student athletes and so we're really grateful for that and you know just knowing that they realize how much work that these ladies put in and that they're going to reward them with another not even just reward but just making sure that we're taking care of them and giving them a chance to come back and kind of complete what they started um so, 
you're at, obviously this is your first head coaching job. Were there any, um, were there any like growing pains? Was there anything that had been, had happened like um, either at Wichita or uh, under Van that uh, you didn't, that you didn't have, uh, that you didn't have like a way or you didn't know how to uh, figure it out right at the end, but you think, wow. <laughs> Is that- was there any growing pains from going from the, uh, the associate head coach to the head coach? Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd call them pains. I think just like learning moments for me. Um, you know, that was something that I communicated. I've been really lucky that Coach Gasso has been such a great mentor for me, you know, since I played for her. And she was the one I was on the phone with every day throughout this process, uh, you know, the hiring process and the interviews and all of that and just, really even after if I had a problem like hey how am I supposed to handle this and the one thing she continued to tell me is you're not you're never going to feel ready until you're actually in it like you just kind of have to get trial by fire and for me a big part of that um, that she helped guide me on was building the best staff that I could because that's been such a huge help to have so many great people around me that I can really trust and uh, delegate a lot of the different tasks you know when I'm having to take on a lot more meetings or different things that I didn't have to do as an assistant, I know I can trust my people around me and that they can make sure that we're getting the work done that we need to. So that's, I think, been the, the best part of the transition is just having that great support staff around me um, and being able to use them and trust them through all of this. Yeah, um, I know I've enjoyed watching um, Coach T-Brad's videos on the deck. So I'm sure he, I'm sure he enjoys doing those too. Yes, he is always, he's the energy bringer and the entertainment. Um, And, you know, he's been here with me since the beginning. So definitely a lot of trust in him. Um, And then, you know, know that I could kind of give him a little bit more responsibility to take on. And he did a great job with a lot of it. He worked as the baseball director of operations for six years. So he had a lot of experience in kind of the day-to-day operations of a program as well. So he was able to help myself and Kayla Winkfield, our softball director of operations, um, a lot in that transition. So um, I know I've seen the the GIF and everything, but how did the lighting up the scoreboard with the lightsaber, how did that come around? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, well, Mia Davidson has always just been a huge Star Wars fan of the team and always all about it. Um, I hadn't really ever seen any of the movies until over Christmas break. And my dad and I sat down and watched all of them all night. And, you know, once Mia found out, she was really excited about it. We're out in Palm Springs. She bought a lightsaber. I don't even know where she got it. I think a video game store. Um <laughs> And was just playing with it. It was really cool. I mean, it lights up. It makes all the sound effects that go along with it. And we were just had it out in the dugout before a game. We're talking and um, trying to convince some of the other players to watch the movies as well. We're trying to slowly convert them. And, of course, it got caught on uh, camera when I was sitting there playing with it. And they, it was... Um, it was Brian Ogden and then Momo, our video guy who was with us, but they really wanted to post it. And I made a deal with them. I said, all right, we have to score five runs in an inning before you're allowed to post it. And of course we scored five runs in an inning in the next two games. So 
it made its way out there really quick, and I'm happy. I can't complain. I'll take five runs an inning every game. Um, <laughs> and we've slowly, you know, we got Chloe Malalulu. She just finished all of the movies as well over this kind of time we've had off. So we're all right. slowly converting everybody. I mean, I've been watching those since I was like three, so I could talk about Star Wars all day. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm a new fan, but I'm getting there. I grew up on Harry Potter, but I'm a big fan of hey. Star Wars. Hey. Every, everything, everything's great. I mean, hey, we had Star Wars trivia and Harry Potter trivia, so you must have been, you must have been loving it when we were doing those. Oh, yeah. I could have won both of those. You, you should have. You should have you gone for it. They told me I'm not allowed to play, but we'll see. Uh, I'm sure I mean, we can. I'm, I'm sure we can get an in. exception. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, coach, watching this team has been a lot of fun. And you know, in uh, baseball in the '80s, we had uh, thunder and lightning in the form of uh, Rafael Palmeiro and Will Clark. But you know, uh-huh. one thing I've noticed with this team, we have thunder and lightning in the form of. Mia Davidson and Folly Lua. What's it like having two fantastic home run hitters and watching Fa just hit home run after home run before this season was cut short? I mean, what's it like coaching two players that are just that good? Oh, man. I mean, having the chance to have one hitter like that on your team is always special. And just to have two is I mean, it's unreal. It's not something that many teams get the chance to have ever, and now we get the chance to do it again next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just both really special talents, um, and even better than that, they're just great people and great leaders. And you know, they could easily walk around like they're you know big, bigger, and better than everybody, but they don't. Not at all. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. They want to do whatever they can to share, um, and you know they'll pull freshmen aside when they see someone struggling and help them work through something because it's something that they've done as well. So they've just been a huge help for me, especially from the coaching side of things. And then just how humble they've been with their talent and willingness to, you know, just, they just want to win. That's, they want the team to be as good as it can be. And they know that that can be from them hitting home runs or their teammates around them. So, uh, you know, everything that they've done the last couple of years has just been really fun. And just even the coming out to watch them hit BP at practice is just insane. I mean, they hit balls that, I couldn't even dream of hitting, and I had a lot of home runs in my day. But they're just really special. They're really fun to watch it, especially when they're both both on a roll there. So um, we know last uh, last season's home run uh, race between Fa and Mia, and it looked like they were the. the uh, I mean, the race will continue, but Fa definitely jumped out to an early start, while Mia started out hot, but was kind of, I guess, in a slump. How are you coaching her through that before her game against Southern Miss going four for four and winning SEC player of the week? Yeah. um, The biggest thing with Mia is just making sure that we have an open line of communication. And, you know, I let her know that I trusted her and I knew she was going to find a way out of it. And just, you know, what do you need from me to break out of it? And it was just a lot of talking about video, about swings, watching old swings compared to new, um, you know, she's one that likes to go through a lot of video where Fa's kind of the opposite. Uh, so just knowing each hitter and what works for them and continuing to have confidence in her and asking her, like, you know, do you feel like there's too much pressure on you up here in the leadoff or the two hole? Would you, would you like to go lower and getting her input as well and not just doing things because I could and I was the coach and putting her down the lineup? I think that would have hurt her even more. So, 
you know, we left her up there and kind of let her work her way out of it. And I think just showing that we still had the confidence in her as a hitter, even when she was going through, um, you know, a, a tougher streak, especially for her, I think that really helped motivate her on her way out of it. So speaking of the SEC Player of the Week, so a few weeks ago, uh, beginning of March, we had uh, Chloe, Annie, and Madison sweep the awards. Uh, yeah. How, how does that feel as a first-year head coach? How does that feel to have three players win all three of those awards? Man, it was it was really cool. It was just really special to do something that we hadn't done before. Um, you know, that's kind of our goal moving forward with this program is to take it to heights that it hasn't reached yet. Um, so to be able to do something small like that with, you know, a little bit of everything, a sophomore and Chloe who didn't even get a hit last year and has taken full advantage of her opportunities and really just – been a great leader and hard worker for us and then maddie a freshman um i mean from our first practice on we've been like all right that kid's the shortstop it's just you know to see them kind of grow up really quickly before your eyes and then with annie she's just been so composed out there every game that she's pitched it's been really special for them and then all three of them really made sure that when we told them they really give a lot of credit to their teammates because they realized that has a lot to do with what we're doing. And um, it's something that we preach a lot is about doing it for the person next to you and not just being, you know, internal or thinking about ourselves through this process. So, um, okay. So being of the season, there was kind of a, um, there was a competition for right field between uh, AK and uh, Christian Quinn. Um, mm-hmm. Did you just – how did uh, that competition go? And, I mean, it, it seems that by the end of the season – or by, by the middle of the season, AK had won the starting job. Um, was there a lot of communication between that? Was uh, – because, I mean, we know Christian Quinn can come off the bench, get a hit, run around the bases, and score. Um, was it just something that AK was doing in the field with her bat? Um. Yeah, I think early on, and a lot of times, especially early in the season, we want to protect a couple that maybe might be prone to some injuries. Um, so we had a couple, I think, between the two of them, uh, nagging hamstrings, nothing really serious, but didn't want to push anyone too much, especially AK early on. And I thought Quinn did a great job of taking that opportunity when she got it. And she was hitting in the nine hole for us for a few weeks. And finding ways on base, get hit by pitch, walks, uh, singles, and just turning the lineup over to get us to the top. And that's, you know, everything that we asked her to do. And she's always been a solid defender for us as well. And, you know, we, we like competition. I think, you know, AK having to sit back and heal a little bit, it kind of fueled her. And then the biggest thing that we talked about, um, you know, we do communicate that a lot, that the lineup in the first week of the season is going to be completely different than four weeks in. And that might be completely different than the end of the season. And, you know, what are you going to do in the meantime to take advantage of your opportunity? And for us, we get twice as many practice days as we do game days. So, you know, we want that competition to happen at practice and that's, what's going to earn them more chances. And I thought AK and Quinn continued to battle about that. And my favorite thing about Quinn is she never quit. And even when AK kind of, had those starts there at the end, Quinn was still being a great teammate, a great senior leader um, at practice and in the games. And that's, that's something that's hard to do. Um, and so we, you know, make sure to acknowledge that, that we appreciate that effort from her. Um, but it's, you know, that's what you need because at any moment an injury could, could bring up that next man. 
And I think Quinn understood that and that maturity for her made sure that she was staying ready, which is what we ask. All right. So we're going to go to our little sponsored segment uh, and we'll be back with a few more questions for Coach Ricketts. Yeah. Huge shout out to Anchor for sponsoring us uh, and taking care of all our video needs. Welcome back. We're still here with Coach Ricketts. Uh, so I want to take you uh, to one of the games we had this season. Um, it was a game against Southeast Missouri State where um, AK hit a two-run bomb to end the game. What was um, what were you telling the team during that game as they're getting zero after zero after zero when we're used to seeing lots of lots of runs? What were you telling the team? Yeah, we knew going into that game that it was going to be low scoring and a good, uh, it really pitcher's battle. And so we kind of made sure that we prepared them about that beforehand and just making sure that they understand like even whether we score in the first inning or the seventh it doesn't matter that we had enough confidence in our offense uh, that we can make that happen so you know I think one big thing and that was a, a change for us this year was just not panicking not pressing and continuing to have quality at bats throughout the game and knowing that it would pay off for us in the end so I thought they did a great job with that um, I think from that game I remember you know, it was a lot of the upperclassmen the leaders Pa Mia uh, kind of stepping in and just making sure the team knew not to press and, you know, let's just keep seeing pitches. Let's, we're going to wear her down. We're going to wear her down. And they did a good job of preaching that confidence and that approach at the plate for us. Um, and then, you know, AK has just been a really solid, you know, nice lefty hitter for us for the last couple of years. And um, to see her continue to get chances to come through like that was just a lot of fun. And, you know, she usually kind of struggles with a pitcher like that up in the zone, and she got one, and she didn't miss it, and that was you – know, that's all you could really ask for, especially in the late innings there like that. Yeah. I remember watching her at bat, and it actually, she was actually going to sack bunt for the first two pitches. That's right. And then uh, she's got two strikes, and she just knocks one over the fence. I'm like, <laughs> you can't sacrifice it. Hit it yourself. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's a reason we are last place in the SEC in sacrifice buds. It's not something. It's not that we don't work on it. We definitely, you know, we know that that's a big piece of the game and that can win games for us as well. But you know, for us, we know we're not really a team built for speed. That we're built for power and the long ball. And um, another thing we talk about when we're bunting is, hey, like make sure you're getting your face in it. Like track that ball in. You've got your your face in the strike zone. Like let's make sure we're seeing it in and. Even if you do miss the butt, at least now you've tracked a couple and now you're really seeing it. So for her, I think credit to AK being down 0-2 and just really didn't panic about it. And like, okay, well, I've seen two really good pitches. Now I'm going to put a swing on it instead of a butt. So uh, I want to ask you about Candace, Candace Dennis. So I've made this joke before, but it seems like Candace Dennis and standing on second base is, a, is as inevitable as death and taxes. <laughs> if she doesn't hit a double, she hits a single. Does she just have like a permanent green light? Um, she. We don't really do to the whole green light on their own because okay. for the most part, I don't want them to – I don't want it to be on them. Say they get thrown out in a bad situation and then everybody's pointing fingers that they shouldn't have stolen on their own. I want that to always come back on the coaches. So uh, Coach Bratton is the one giving her the signs that he knows that Candace – you know, we watch a lot of video even of our steals – um, and steal attempts and she's 
take some of the best leads off the base. So anytime she's on first, we know she's got a really great chance to steal that back safely. So, um, you know, he does a good job of mixing what count she's going to run in, what pitch, uh, if we're going to protect it or not, um, and just kind of keeping teams off balance. But I think anytime she's on, there's a yeah, very good chance that we're going to put her in motion because once she's on second, all it takes is a single from any of those big hitters behind her and she's going to score easily. Yeah, it's been – how many – let me see how many runs she had this year because it, it seemed like every time she got on base, she, she scored. Yeah, um, she definitely does a great job of that. Um, you know, I think we had – I think she was putting a little bit of pressure on herself um, at some points throughout the season like Mia was. But, again, the biggest thing with them is just getting them to understand that, that we have trust in them and that they're too good of an athlete to stay in the slump for too long. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember uh, closer to the end of the season, you had moved her from the top to the middle. Was that because she was putting too much pressure, or was she just uh, – you wanted a bigger spark in the middle? Yeah, a little bit of both. I think, um, you know, softball and hitting especially, it's just such kind of a roller coaster. You never, you're never going to be on the entire year. Uh, so I want to make sure that I'm setting them up for success. And, you know, Candace can be – a big power threat in the middle of the order, or she could be another leadoff, um, finding her way on base for the big hitters at the bottom. So um, really it was just kind of looking at the recent stats, how they've been performing over the last 10 games um, or over the weekend and trying to set them up in a position where they were going to see the best pitches. And, you know, Chloe Malawulu had been on fire for us. So wanted to put her up at the top to get on base before um, me and Fog came up and then Candace to kind of come up and, move them around like she had been um, if me and Fa were walked. Right. So, um, I know I really enjoyed watching our softball team this year. I, I think we're going to continue to enjoy watching our softball team for the future. But uh, now I want to kind of take it for – so you've been in softball for a while. How do you th how do you think that we can continue growing the game so that more people want to play softball, more people uh, become softball athletes, and just continue to grow the game? Yeah, I think it really is. Uh, the popularity of softball has grown a ton over the last couple of years. Um, you know, we have meetings when we meet as an SEC head coaching staff uh, with the ESPN crew that covers softball and the growth that we've seen in viewership for the college world series and softball and ESPN is just really unprecedented. I mean, we get more viewers than um, college baseball does in their world series. And I think it has a lot to do with our game and with the product we put on the field. It's, you know, it's short, it's a two hour window instead of a longer one. Like you see in baseball, it's fast paced. Um, the fans feel like they get to know the players because, we are a little bit more, I think, grassroots in our approach um, because this is the highest level for most of these players. And, you know, a lot of teams, we send our girls up into the stands to kind of greet players after the game or to greet fans and young kids. And you know, I think as long as softball can continue to do that and make sure that we don't forget, like, why everybody is drawn to our sport. And I think it's that relationship side of things and the relatability to the players. Um you know, the, the growth that we're seeing as far as viewership is going to be huge. It's I think we've outgrown um, how volleyball has done as well. So um, I think continuing to do that, the more we can, the more we can let the 
the um, fans into the dugout, per se, and let them feel like they know the players personally, I think that's going to be the biggest thing because that's really a great selling point for us. Um, and then hopefully that helps to continue to push new play- young players to try out the game. I think a lot of times, um, especially now, we're starting to see more young kids being told they have to specialize. And I think that's just really not the case. You know, some of the best athletes that we have on our team, they grew up playing three sports the whole time. So, you know, I would just hope that we can continue to get the young, the young ones involved and that they keep playing softball. And um, whether they think that's their sport or not, I think you don't really know that until you're a little bit later on in life. But, you know, we've enjoyed that. We've enjoyed the multi-sport athletes. Um, and we enjoy getting to know the fans because we do appreciate them. You know, when we're able to fill the stand, fill our stadium, it means a lot to us. And that's something that, you know, it's a little bit newer in college softball. Yeah. I love watching, um, the kids run the bases, um, with the girls because you can tell that they really, uh, I mean, I can tell, I, I mean, I'm sure it's a testament to your coaching staff and the coach staff for you. They really do love the fans here in Starkville. Uh, just yeah, how, they definitely how, fun, appreciate it. How, how much fun they have. I, I've never, I, everyone's always smiling. They're always chasing the girls. The dr- mm-hmm. girls are chasing them, uh, seeing them go into the stands after a game, whether it's a win or a loss and interacting with the fans. I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I want to share Coach on that too. My first experience with college softball, um, I didn't grow up in a college town or anything near that, but I think it was the 2017 season. Uh, the state team went down to southeastern Louisiana, and that was about 20 miles from where I grew up. And I remember I, uh, my dad is an alum of state and it brought me here. And um, I remember I took the guy who ended up being my freshman roommate. We went there. There were probably 20 people in the stands. It was a weeknight, uh, and I was the only one wearing maroon. Uh, but I remember the, the team run ruled Southeastern and uh, I remember just getting to talk with everyone after uh, and I was like, oh, I'm not even a student. I'm just uh, at a high school nearby. Uh, just happened to you know, came by. But it, the whole experience was so much fun, uh, so much more interactive. And we all sang the fight song after. That was a lot of fun as well. Um, so awesome. I, that's yeah, that's I our goal. About. If we can, you know slowly start converting some fans over they can realize how much fun they can have for free too at our games mm-hmm. i know softball games are so much fun i mean i think i i think i can attest to that i ha- i help make them fun but <laughs> <laughs> agreed <laughs> um so i know earlier in the season you guys got to scrimmage against uh the usa softball team mm-hmm. and how awesome is it that your sister's on that team yeah, that was a really cool experience. Um, my sister was actually supposed to pitch against us that game, and then of course got sick that morning, and they wouldn't even let her come to the game. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Yeah, so that part was a little disappointing. We'll see if we can get him back on the schedule for next year. But you know, regardless of if she pitched or not, that just meant that we got to face Monica Abbott, who's the number one player in the world. Um, and you know, our girls had a good time with it. They know Kaylani, my sister, a little bit, so they were kind of joking around that. She wasn't sick. She was just afraid of us. <laughs> <laughs> and for them to be able to face, you know, these girls that they've grown up watching and that they realize how great they are, especially when we started to string a couple hits together off of them. And I think that really boosted their confidence. And like, man, they just all thought it was such a cool experience. Um, it was something I got to do as a player as well. And you definitely remember it. And it's just a, kind of a sense of pride of, 
hey, these are the women that are going to go represent our country. And, you know, we just gave them a really good game. So that was a lot of fun for us. So um, we know that the Olympics got moved back here. Are you uh, planning to go out there with your family to Japan? Yeah, I had a ticket for the summer. Um, actually, I sold to cancel that. But uh, we're planning on going again. Hopefully, you know, everything calms down by then. Um, you know, still kind of a waiting game as far as what they're going to do with Team USA right now. But, you know, all those girls, they've been waiting for this their whole life as well. And with it not being in the 2024 Olympics, this is really their last shot. So, um, you know, they realize that they're representing a, a, a whole, like, large contingent of young softball players. And I think they're going to continue to work um, so that they can represent us, whether it's this summer or next summer. And I don't think any of them are worried about having to train and wait for another year now. Well, uh, Coach Ricketts, that's, uh, I think that's all we have today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Heads Up Play podcast. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys taking interest in us and our team. Yeah. Oh, actually, I do have one more question. Um, yeah. What do you think of that PA guy? <laughs> I think we'll keep him. I think he does a good job. Oh, all right. That's good to know. I'll let myself know. <laughs> you didn't mispronounce any names, so you win. Yes. That people give me credit for that because uh, I also yes. I also do the tennis stuff, and a lot of their coaches have crazy names. They always give me props, so I'm I'm happy that the hardest names are uh, Chloe and Fa. Yes. <laughs> They have been messed up before, so we definitely noticed that. We appreciate it. All right. Proud of you, Chris. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Awesome.